Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are going to spend tonight's episode or today's episode, whenever you're listening to this, um, this, this lovely release here that we, uh, we put out every uh, Tuesday-ish for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk a freshman slash supplemental drafts. We're actually going to specifically look at a mock draft uh, that we here at C2C and PJ, uh, who runs all of our mock drafts, uh, did recently with um, you know a mix of people from our Discord and from Twitter, um, and we'll we, we'll we'll break down the specifics of the draft. You know what what some of the rules were, um, and we'll kind of go through. Uh, I think this is a good way to kind of preview some of the class, get a good idea of where things stand today, and obviously after spring, um, things change. So I think it'll be fun to get an idea of where some players are going today and then what players might move up or move down based on the spring news for better or for worse. Colin, um, you, you we're working through the freshman guide. You're uh, you're, have you written more profiles this year than you usually do or about, about the same, same amount as, as usual. How do you feel about this, your knowledge of this class compared to the last couple? Um, so the freshman guide is one that I usually don't write as many profiles for, um, just because like, I don't rank freshmen on the website. Uh, so I, I typically write about 20, 25 ish. That's probably about where I'll hit this time too. Um, and you know, I feel like I'm moving pretty along, pretty along pretty well. I think last year, um, my profiles, I, I was writing some of them up until the last minute you heard Matt, uh, had mentioned Matt Bruning uh mentioned about how and you i think had mentioned how close to the wire we were last year and you know i think i had a, a hand in that because i was delaying some of mine um as I, I take i take a longer a longer time to write um than than some others do so but i feel i feel this year i'm, I'm ahead of where i was last year well, you always helps. get your your one article in a year that you write for the site. So, mm -hmm. and that takes you all year to write. You you've it already does. started mm -hmm. writing this year's edition, right? And mm -hmm. maybe the topic will change six times as you wind your way toward the end. Yeah, yeah. I actually have an idea cooking that I've been working on slowly for a couple of of months, and I haven't even actually mentioned this to you. Um, it's been oh, very okay. it's been very slow, but. Uh, I got I got something in the works article wise. Okay. I don't release date TBD, but uh, you don't you don't want to you don't want to overcommit and underdeliver there, Colin. Yeah, right? exactly. You exactly. Know. But I, I, I got something in the works. Solid strategy. All right. Before we get into this draft, guys, head on over to Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code campus to Canton over there, the number two in the middle there. It's our company name. You can get 50% off any first purchase and when i say any first purchase it's associated with your email and as we say all the time you know just i'm sure everybody out there has multiple emails you've got a work email you've got a spam email you've got your personal email you know however many emails you need you've got your go one ahead. you use to sign up for promo codes that's true that's true people really do that um mm -hmm. which is interesting and i've actually i heard some reasoning for that um, which I thought was really, in terms of you can tell who is selling your email addresses if you use a different email ad, like a specific, it, it was interesting. I, way too much effort for me, but you yeah. know, it's not too much effort creating that, that home, <laughs> home field apparel email uh, address. Go ahead, get uh, all your college gear, t-shirts, 
quarter zips, sweatshirts, uh, you name it, they've got it over there. Really comfy stuff, really, really just interesting, cool designs. Uh, I'm wearing, uh, every, every time we do a show, I'm wearing something. I'm wearing an Arkansas Razorbacks t-shirt um, underneath actually a big red Western Kentucky supporting their uh, their NIL program sweatshirt. Uh, so that that's that's my mind for tonight here. Are you wearing okay. something, Colin? I, I'm not. I was wearing it. Oh, I wore every it over time. the weekend. I wore it over the weekend. Every time. I wore every one time. Of them over the weekend. <sighs> what does that sound like? We have to get you more. I mean, hey, I won't turn down. I won't turn down more. You know, it's because somebody they... wants to to donate. <laughs> I'm right. having. Yeah. So we're we're yeah. um, going to be. My wife and I are going to be moving um, to. Uh, while well, we are in the process of moving to a new place and one of the things she said is we need to get rid of some of your t-shirts so it's a battle right now for me to keep some of the t-shirts that i have adding more would be even more of a fight so just have them shipped to the new place have them waiting there for you <laughs> oh look at this this is weird yeah it just showed up who knows have to move it exactly yeah, who knows yeah <laughs> it just makes too much sense all right, but, we'll go ahead and do that, guys. Homefieldapparel.com, promo code campus to canton. That's going to get you 15% off your purchase. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about this draft here, Colin. It is a, a 12 teams. You know, we try to get these to mimic a, a real draft that you would be doing. Obviously, in a real supplemental freshman draft, you'd also have uh, returning free agents, um, but those those kind of vary by league. Um, and so we don't introduce those quite this early into the player pool this offseason. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do that a little bit later. So 12 teams, um, five rounds. So that's, that's 60 freshmen. That's a, that's a pretty good amount, especially um, this early here uh, in the offseason. And we just say, assume that you're drafting like on a college fantasy you know, side of a C2C roster. What you see a lot of is you're starting at least two quarterbacks. So we say start two QB, assume uh, full PPR, tight end premium. And that's really it. I mean, 45-man rosters, but, like, you know, that, that's not really factoring into yeah. these particular drafts. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you want to get in one of these, by the way, we're running these all the time. Uh, check us out uh, at Campus to Canton uh, on Twitter. Hop in our Discord, campusdecanton.com, uh, for, for our members. Uh, those are kind of the places that we tend to advertise these. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just going to start at the top here, Colin, and kind of work our way through. Uh, I think it'll be a good exercise to get you just toss a lot of names out. Maybe people get a little more familiar with them. They can go uh, look into them themselves, either you know, ind independently, or they can go to C two C check out you know the athletic comparison stuff, some of our rankings, uh, purchase our guide, which is coming out here in March, um, all of that good stuff. So let's hop right in here. Uh, the first round, um, what's the easiest way? Do I should I just read the whole first round here? You think is that, that going to be best? Maybe part? we do. Maybe we do five picks. Break okay. it down, or five sure. or six picks. They could do half a round. Six. Okay, yeah, we'll do half a round. That that. No, we're not go. just reading a bunch of names. Great, great, great thinking, Colin. I've always Thank said you. you're the great thinker of our generation. Thank you. Thank you. I, yes. I, I like to think so. Yeah. Top six picks here in this draft, guys. Number one, Jeremiah Smith, the Ohio State commit wide receiver, the number one player in the class according to the services at any position. Uh, he went number one, Micah Hudson. Five-star wide receiver headed to Texas Tech, went second. DJ Lagway, quarterback headed to Florida, dual-threat guy. We talked a little bit about him a couple weeks ago on the show. He went third. Ryan Williams, the uh, reclassified from 2025 to 2024. 
five-star receiver. He's headed to Bama. Uh, he went fourth. Cam Coleman, Auburn wide receiver, borderline five-ish star guy. You're going to notice a lot of wide receivers in this draft, guys. It's yes. a very, very yep. deep wide receiver class. He went at fifth. And then Julian Sayan, QB, headed to Ohio State, went sixth. And he was, if you're, you're not taking crazy pills, he was committed to and attended Alabama for about a week and then went to Ohio State after Nick Saban retired. So there's your top six. Um, no Dylan Rayola, which, you know, mm -hmm. he's, uh, I think, except for on three, the top quarterback for each of the services. Um, he's going to Nebraska. He followed the eighth slot. That that stands out to me yeah. initially. What stands out to you here in these, these first six picks column? Yeah, I think you have to um, mention the exclusion of Dylan Rayola. I, I don't think that's going to be typical. Um, I'm I'm very surprised he fell as far as he did. Now I know you know some people have Lagway as one, some people have Rayola as QB one. Um, so you know, kind of a coin flip there. But I absolutely think that Dylan Rayola should have slotted in somewhere in the first five picks. Um, I, I think that is the first thing that stands out to me is him not being included there. And I, I understand maybe some people are a little actually scared off by the landing spot um, being at Nebraska, but we've just, we've talked about it a couple of times before it's, if nothing else, we're going to get to see him early. He is going to get out there on the field. He's going to take his lumps and, you know, maybe he has a, a rough freshman year, um, but the fact that he's going to be out there, we know, we feel very secure that he has a starting spot as one of the quarterbacks here. And that's not something you can say about every quarterback here. You know, Julian saying who, who got taken ahead of him was going to Ohio State. There's a, a litany of other four and five star QBs in that room, too. So it's we, we think he's going to be the next guy up, but we've been wrong multiple times this past year. So. I, I I wouldn't be scared off by by Nebraska, and I think maybe that's I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of some of these drafters. I'm thinking maybe that's one of the reasons that he fell. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I think we talk a lot about different strategy on this show, and a lot of the times it's it, it tends to be more centered around uh, startups, just because that's tends to be a little more applicable. Um, you know, and there's a lot more. Uh, I think you can discuss, and I think because you have the whole player pool available to you, it does change player strategy, I think, or draft strategy, at least for me a little bit, um, compared to a freshman draft where it's a much more limited player pool. You know, you're know, you working basically with whatever this class is spitting out, much like rookies, you know, some years, um, you know, no real quarterbacks. You know, think the Kenny Pickett year, you know, for example, with the NFL, you know, no real quarterbacks that we won in the supplemental drafts. We like quarterbacks in, in super flex leagues, but we weren't, no one was forcing taking a quarterback just because of the value of the position. And I think freshman drafts tend to be analogous to that. So um, I think as we work through this, that's going to be something to keep in mind that the strategy changes a little bit. I just think, especially early in these drafts, you just take like a good player. Mm -hmm. I'm not that really that worried. I mean, I think there are some other considerations. I think the one position that we kind of know um, how to kind of, um, value especially after freshman year is wide receivers because of our year one zero theory which you know, for anybody new listeners minimum thresholds you have to hit as a true freshman if you don't hit them you probably like even in the most crowded of crowded wide receiver rooms if you can't hit any of these your nfl future is really really slim 
Um, it just, just it's very hard to get to the NFL and be productive if you just do nothing as a freshman. So I am keeping that in my mind. I'm looking at some of these wide receivers as they come on the board, and I'm saying, you know, what's the probability of them playing this year? If they don't play and they're not getting, you know, they're going to be a zero. Like, that's a huge drop in value. But a lot of these other guys, you know, I think the quarterbacks for the most part, the running backs for the most part, we don't really care about the freshman year. I think they're all going to hold their value. So I do mm-hmm. think that's a small consideration. But with the unpredictable nature of of predicting 17-year-old kids to the NFL, I think you just kind of take good players. Yeah. And I do try to – the other one that I try to do is I sit here and I say – like what would have to happen for pl- if I'm debating between two players for like player X to be worth more than player Y this time next year and vice versa. And so I bring this up because I do think letting Rayola slip to the 108 here feels a little silly to me. And really the only guy that I can circle here that I having a, a difficult time coming up with a lot of scenarios where I would value him over Dylan Rayola outside of Dylan Rayola just being really bad, which is certainly a possibility. We've, we've, we've talked about that a little bit in, in the past few weeks is I think Cam Coleman's a little bit of a stretch and TJ Moore, uh, who I didn't mention here, he went one Oh seven. So he, he's the next pick you're going to Clemson. I think those guys feel like a little bit of a stretch to take ahead of a Dylan Rayola. If I'm really trying to think about what would this guy have to do this year to be valued higher than Dylan Rayola next year. I, I think six, Rayola has 700, to get 800 bust. yards and Rayola would have to just have not a very good year. I mean, I think those would, those would be kind of the, the two scenarios. Um, and I think it's, it's pretty tough to project any freshman wide receiver um, to do that. You know, I mean, I, I, I think Smith has some outs at one Oh one there, you know, he's going to Ohio state. I don't think anyone expects him to be their leading receiver. If he's second or third, yeah, it's pretty good. He, he, I think, you know, he's he's holding on to value. Hudson going to Texas Tech there at 102. I think he probably starts from day one. Yeah. So I, we've had this discussion. It wouldn't shock me if he has 800 to 1,000 yards this year. Ryan Williams, we talked about this. 40% chance he's the be- he's the leading receiver at Alabama this year as a true freshman. Um, so those guys, you you can definitely see the path um, that as like non-quarterbacks taken. I, I, I don't know that I see it necessarily for Coleman and Moore. So I think... I would really expect in a league where there are actual stakes and it actually matters because that does sometimes play into these a little bit. I think that Rayola has to be a top five, six, seven selection. I don't think taking him at the 108 like he went here. Um, I mean, what's the rush to the podium for the 108? Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. Or like, hey, everybody, Dylan Rayola's on the board. Uh, you know, this pick obviously all of a sudden just became a lot more valuable. Come give me some, come give me something good for it. I, so I, that that stands out to me right away as, as kind of the uh, mm-hmm. weirdness in this one. Yeah, I think so. We're not going to give names of who is drafting in this, but the yeah, only person I will say is PJ, who picked it the 109. I guarantee you, PJ, if this was a real draft, he would have been so mad that Riola went the one pick before him. He would have been scrambling to try and trade up. That feels like a very PJ move yeah i mean i i don't know what i would offer if i was sitting at the 109 and rayola showed up at the 108 i'd probably offer this year's first and next year's first honestly yeah because if you think you got to think if you're picking at the 109 you probably have a pr- pretty good team yeah um maybe you lost last year. a ton yeah maybe you lost a ton so maybe it's not it's not like a one-to-one it's not kind of like a dynasty where if you were good last year you're probably going to be good this year there's a little more turnover but um yeah i mean you, you I would probably feel pretty comfortable with that. You probably get something else small back, like maybe like a later sub pick 
you know, like an eighth, tenth, something in that range, just to kind of offset a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I would I would be okay with that um, as a value tra- in, in a trade uh, just to go up and get Dylan Rayola, like I said, at the, the 108. Like that is is pretty shocking. How do, uh, the other name that I want to ask you real quick about here, Colin, is Julian Sayan, who we mentioned mm-hmm. went at the 106. He's at Ohio State now. I feel like we've done this same song and dance three or four. I might might have been every year since we've owned this company. Um, <laughs> this guy's got to be the next quarterback at Ohio State, right? And then somebody returns to school or somebody gets recruited over or they hit the transfer portal or insert other, um, you know, just circumstance that we didn't really see coming. So I feel odd. I'm not saying this was a bad pick. I don't think it is. And I I don't think we're going to offer a lot of commentary on like, was this a bad pick? Was this a good pick? That's not our intention here tonight. We kind of just trying to give some idea of where some of these players are going to go. But I do. Th- I think there's some risk in ever trying to project who the next Ohio State quarterback is going to be. Stroud is the only one that's followed the expected timeline over the past five years. Um, you know, McCord waited an extra year, which threw off Devin Brown, who never got the job. Aaron Nolan is supposed to be the next guy, but now they brought in Will Howard, and then they went out and got got saying like I, it's it's very very difficult to, to kind of nail these guys down that early. Yeah, it's you know fool me once, shame on. Shame, don't get fooled again. Yep. Um, but I, I think Julian saying at the 106 is perfectly fine. I think yeah. Dylan Rayola should have gone in the top five. Cam Coleman in the top five surprises me. Um, but if this plays out in that way and you swap those two picks, then I think Julian saying is perfectly fine there at the 106. And you know, you're like you brought up, we've done this before, song and dance before where we thought he was going to be the next Ohio State why, uh, quarterback and we were wrong. Um, is that does that mean we're going to be wrong this time? We, we don't really know. Um, there's a lot of bodies in that room, but I do feel like Julian Sand at this point in time probably has the odds. On, it would be the odds one favorite to be the quote unquote next guy up there at Ohio state. I think somebody's going to leave at spring. Cause another guy you didn't mention was Lincoln Kineholz, who's in that room as well, who was a four-star guy, you know, kind of, we were kind of surprised he ended up there, but still a four-star guy. You got to figure somebody is probably leaving between him and Brown. I would think Brown burned guess- the ships. Don't you remember? That, that tweet that he put out <laughs> for the for the bowl game or whatever. He's burning the ships like Cortez. He's not going back to Europe without a fight. Yeah, well, I mean, Will Howard's there now. So if that's probably he did, he did it after time. Will Howard. I think that's I think that was the impetus for this. Did he? I thought he did it when I thought he did it before Howard got there. I thought he did it when like McCord um left and like no, there I think was... it was when the rumors about Will Howard started because that was like why he was he was saying like I'm not leaving. It was Wolf of Wolf of Wall Street might have been a little more apt. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not leaving. He's is he like an art history major? <laughs> is that why he went with that? Might I'm be. Sure... A, it would be more difficult than half of the other majors on that yeah. that team at bare minimum. Yeah, uh, they don't go to Ohio State to play school. That's for sure. 
Um, I'm sure Matt will correct us uh, behind the scenes then about when the timeline on that one. But either way, I don't care, Matthew. <laughs> either way, a point being, I don't think this is a bad pick here for saying, despite some of the recent track record of Ohio State high ranked quarterbacks, not necessarily following the path that we expected. Fair enough. And uh, just for the record, would you expect Jeremiah Smith to be the 101 in more than 40% of leagues this year? Um, With the opinions seeming to drop on Rayola, because this isn't the only draft that I've seen Rayola not go one-on-one. I, I mean, this is our second one. I, I don't believe he went one-on-one in the other one either. So, I so. Um, yeah, 40% feels about right. I, I have one 101 this year. I'm not even don't think I'm considering Rayola with it. So, I don't so think it's, I don't think are you saying it. more than 40% for Jeremiah Smith? You think? Uh, I don't know because I think I think if you want a quarterback, you go you might consider DJ Lagway from like a pure fantasy perspective. And this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were debating some of these quarterbacks and where we have them ranked within our, our greater ranking sets. Um, I mean, Lagway's just. He's a he's a rushing threat, and Rayola really is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if that's what separates the two, I th- we we've been we've seen that quite a bit over the past couple of years. I mean, the real how many real pocket passers have we seen go top, you know, top five or whatever in the NFL draft? Not a ton, really. I mean, even mm-hmm. I think the most pockety passers would be Bryce Young and um, CJ Stroud, and both of those guys still have quite a bit of escapability to their game that Rayola doesn't really have and i'm not saying he's like an old school like can't move at all guy you know he's not he's not like mid-career drew bledsoe back there (laughs) but um he's not he's not i wouldn't even say he's like cj stroud in terms of you know running ability mobility Yeah. yeah yeah i think that's i think that's fair um one of the things that concerns me about lagway is florida has one of if not the hardest schedule oh their the schedule is hilarious yeah, yeah they're like there's not a chance sunbelt billy co- is back in 2025 um it's one percent that that's it that's that's all i would give that that he's back so with the head coach gone and the whole coaching staff gone where is that going to leave lagway i think he's talented enough that if the next coaching staff is going to come in. They're going to try to re-recruit him. They're going to try their damnedest, but he might go somewhere else. So there is a little bit of uncertainty there for Lagway, in my opinion. Maybe that accelerates when we see him, though. Something about Billy has to throw a Hail Mary. Man, maybe, but... Would you, you, you... If your livelihood depended on it, would you trot out Graham Mertz, who was not terrible last year? I'm not. I'm that's not no. Like, that, that's what I was going to say too. Or DJ Lagway. Like, if you just need like an upside guy, like at some point to save your job. Like, I'm not talking about guys that got job security. Like, f that. Like, yeah, I'm just going to roll out Graham Mertz and win six games. Right. But you know, by week eight, if this is Mertz is just getting beaten like a pinata behind a bad offensive line against this tough schedule. I don't know. It could be an option. And what are they throwing to anyway? Like maybe the yeah. guy that runs is the better option. Cause you're throwing to 
Um, <laughs> Eugene Wilson around yeah, the line of scrimmage. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it wouldn't be the craziest thing to have happen, but I, I don't know. I feel like Napier is just the type of guy who's going to want to stick with the veteran, just kind of from all the, the vibes that I've ever gotten from him. Um, and it just kind of go down with the ship, but, but who knows, who knows? All right, let's go into the next six, the back end of the first round here, Colin. Um, pick 107, as we kind of mentioned there. TJ Moore, five-star, got his fifth star very late in the cycle here. He's going to Clemson, at wide receiver. Dylan Rayola was at eight. Our first running back off the board, uh, and uh, we had uh, running backs kind of filter in late, but but early here, we don't get a ton of them. We've got Quentin Martin, who's our RB1, Um going to Penn state at nine. He weighed in his, his official spring way and came in. He's at one ninety four, better than I actually thought it might be. It's not bad. Not bad. I think he can, they'll, they'll bulk him up there. Yeah. Penn uh, state's weight room will bulk him up pretty well. Uh, pick number 10, Walker white, uh, friend of, uh, ours here, campus to Canton. He's going to Auburn quarterback pick one eleven. Milan Graham, uh, headed to Ohio state. The other high end recruit they bring in this year. And then Mike Matthews, a Tennessee commit, uh, who went 12th. Um, I don't know. It, it, we've, we've talked to Rayola. We don't need to, to talk about that again. I don't, right. I don't know. What, what do you want to talk about here out of this grouping column? I think it is definitely interesting that Quentin Martin um, seems to be gaining popularity in the space as the uh, number one running back. Um, he is listed as an athlete. So where would the services have listed him? Was he a running back? Uh, I would be surprised if it was number one, but maybe, you know, he would be a little bit higher and other people may have been on him a little earlier in the cycle. But I, th I think the thing with Quentin Martin is that he has, so he, he's a little bit of a tweener right now in that he played all over the place in high school, running back and wide receiver, um, and even a little bit of defense and, and return kicks and everything like that. So he doesn't have like a true running back skill set, which is kind of a negative. But I also think it is a little bit of a positive in the fact that he, he has a option to be a wide receiver at the at least at the collegiate level that most 99% of other running backs, maybe 98% of other running backs don't have because of just of how good of a receiver he is and, and the size that he has as well. So if for whatever reason, it didn't work out for him at, at running back, you know, he could conceivably change positions to wide receiver and have a path to some sort of fantasy relevancy. So I think it gives him a little bit more outs, but I, I think he will make the transition to running back and I think he'll be successful. So 109, I think feels okay for him knowing kind of the drop off after that. Um, and that there's not really anybody that I felt strongly about that one after him that I'd be like, I would definitely take him over Martin. So I'm okay with that Quentin Martin pick at 109 as the first running back off the board. So again, I, nothing that I am saying tonight, I hope comes across as being um, critical or necessarily, you know, praising of, of any particular pick or, or anything like that. That's certainly not my intention. If you're one of the people who drafted in this draft and you're, you know, the Leo, Leo DiCaprio meme on your couch pointing at 
Um, <laughs> that's me. Uh, not so if I say, you know, I, I don't really love this pick. This isn't like me taking a shot at you or anybody else. That, that That's not my intention here. I think that's a little earlier than I would want to take any running back in this class. I don't think I would I understand consider that. any of them in the first round. And I just specifically real quick on Quentin Martin. I've heard you say this a couple times, and I, I don't know that I agree with it per se. So I think it's interesting that you have said this, that you think that he, if he wanted, like if he had to play wide receiver, he has a path to the NFL. I do not think he does. I think his running back or bust for him. But I think what makes him so intriguing is the fact that he's such a good, like he's got such good hands. He's such a natural receiver. Like I think his best case scenario would be like a Debo kind of player. And that doesn't feel great to me at this particular point in time in terms of like projecting a guy at a high school. Um, to, to be that that kind of player. Um, so I, I do not think the wide receiver path is there for him personally. I actually think it's a little more narrow of a path, uh, even though, and again, we have talked about this, I don't know if on this show or if I've talked about it on other shows, that part of the reason, like Quentin Martin graded out as my top running back in the class, and I'm fine keeping him there. But the way that our grading system works, he got a perfect receiving grade from me. So even if he was just middling in a lot of the other rushing categories, like just the fact that that's how we grade like and the the receiving portion isn't even like it's not even like 50 percent. it's like 20 percent of the grade or something if you're solid in the other categories and you get a perfect receiving grade it just it bumps you up really really high mm-hmm. he's also so a like, good athlete too which factors in so that's also gonna help so i mean r- regardless of what's happening there i mean you can point out and say you know maybe that's something wrong with our grading system maybe we have to revisit um you know in, in the future I, i'm not sure that we necessarily do i think it just is what happens when you have a very poor running back class overall, um, or at least no career standout. And then you get a guy that has his kind of experience at wide receiver, but to get back, I think I, I do not feel comfortable taking any running backs in the first round. I would not do it this year. I don't think, um, I don't even, cause I don't like, I don't know. I'm not drafting for team need in the first round of one of these. So like that wouldn't no. even factor. And, you know, I have no Debbie running backs in the pipeline. Guess what? I'm probably taking a running back in the first round and still not having any Debbie running backs in the pipeline because there's just not a lot of you know projectable talent here right now. So who would you take instead of him then? Because I feel like this next cluster of guys are and we can kind of go even into like the middle of the second round. So for like the next 10 ish, maybe even a little bit more, those guys aren't separated by a lot for me. So I understand taking Quentin Martin there, especially, you know, I think he has a very high ceiling if he can put it together as a running back, given the athleticism receiving profile. So I think the question is less who would I take over him at the one or nine. And let's just look specifically at this draft board. And I'll actually, we'll post this draft board in the show notes and um, on Twitter tomorrow so that everyone can get a look at it and see. So they're not just kind of, you know, trying to remember and piece together this, this draft board. The person who took Quentin Martin one Oh nine also, obviously for purposes of this draft had the 209 and at that pick or sorry no because this is a sneak so um yeah, no, so different player but at 109 let's say you know this is like because a lot of these drafts are not sneak they're mm-hmm. linear. The linear most of them are quentin martin at 109 and then taylor tatum the freshman running back going to oklahoma is a 209 that value feels so much better to me if like I just want yeah. to take a running back in this class. And at that 109, I could take Walker White, who went the next pick, or 
Um, you know, it, I would I would take JoJo Trader over him, who goes 201. He's going to Miami. He's already getting some hype there in spring for them. I would take Perry Thompson, who's my wide receiver four, who went 205. There's there's a couple guys here I think that I would really consider. Um, and then once you start getting deeper, then you you start getting at some of these running backs that like there's real not 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 too much of a discernible difference. And I'm just happy shooting for the bottom of a tier and getting kind of the last guy sitting there from it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think no matter who you would take there, you're kind of taking the guy that you're taking a guy and could get somebody at your next pick, especially in a snake with a two, this being a two of four, um, you would be able to get somebody who's in that same tier. It was kind of like what I was getting at. So I, that's why I especially don't have a problem with Martin there. Um, Jojo trader is probably the only guy that I would um, look at at the below him and be like, yeah, I would probably take him over Quentin Martin. Um, Jojo Trader, actually, I, so I went back and rewatched him recently. Uh, I think he is, I can't quite put him in my tier one of wide receivers, but he is really, really close. I see some Jarvis Landry with him, but like slightly better athlete. Yeah, I can see that. I Yeah, I can see. That. I would say better athlete, um, but yeah, I get that. I think that's the kind of player that he can be for a long time. Uh, And I actually, you know, Walker White, I think, is an excellent first round pick, too. We haven't talked about him at all. I mean, I think I just want to start buying up some of these pieces of Auburn's offense at like reasonable costs. I think Mm -hmm. late first for probably their starting quarterback in a year is pretty good cost there. Like even if he's not an NFL he might even quarterback start this year, let's be he could. honest. <laughs> he could. No, I think Peyton Thorne hate is a slightly overblown, um, but faults also tend to get accentuated in the sec where there's a lot less room for, you know, a lot less wiggle room for, for making mistakes. So um, for sure, you know, maybe, maybe we see him a couple games this year. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, um, so I, yeah. I, I, I get I get Walker White in that range too. Even though he's not necessarily my QB four, I think if you're just looking strictly at a fantasy and value perspective, um, I think that that would be fine pick. And um, just some other commentary, slightly early for me on on Mylon Graham and Mike Matthews at one eleven and one twelve, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're like bad picks. You know, if this is a linear draft, neither of those guys are probably making it back to you. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you if you like those guys, I certainly don't think. Um, bad players. Uh, I just am a little lower um, on both for for differing reasons. Graham was really not very good his senior year, which is kind of a red flag. And then he went to the um, All American Bowl and was also really not very good at all. Um, so for a guy that played like rural Indiana <laughs> high school competition, not a great sign. Uh, and then Mike Matthews. I'm just, I man, I think he's like the perfect. Jalen Hyatt, squirrel white stand-in guy, but I don't know that there's like a real NFL upside there. I, I don't think he's that. Well, and, and Tennessee also just doesn't really seem to want to play the, some of the freshman wide receivers that they brought in. Now, granted, Mike Matthews I, is probably the highest rated out of that group. Yeah, I think that's the point there. But I liked I liked Nathan Leacock. I thought he had a nice really nice senior year. I did not like him after his junior year and then I watched his senior tape and he was like a pretty nice riser for me. But he didn't even get on the field like at all this year. So. I think the problem and I think we had them ranked appropriately for this reason where guys like Leacock and who they have uh Webb the year before that was Yeah, that? Kalen Webb. Yeah. Is that they Caleb Webb. They play like the less important 
position in Heupel's offense. Like really, mm. it's usually the Jalen Hyatt squirrel white rule that we won. And then if you've got like another burner on the field, those are the guys that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Jalen Robinson going back to the UCF days. It, like he I had I, some nice years. The only guy in the past few years that that's not fit that mold that's been good there is uh, Cedric Tillman. Mm-hmm. And he was like a fourth year guy by that point. Like, I'm not sure that they're like really trying to bring in a guy to play that. Like, I don't know what they refer to that position as. It's essentially an X, but you don't actually play on the line of scrimmage. So I, I don't exactly know what you what, what they call it. They probably have some goofy name for it. Um, but I'm not sure that player is like particularly valuable or interesting to yeah. me. So I do think there is like that delineation there. If you're kind of trying That's to fair. break down that offense, which is why I was very skeptical of the, the Deontay Thornton talk last off season. And I'm also again, very skeptical of the, what Chris Brazel or whatever mm-hmm. guy that they bring in from Tulane from Tulane. I'm also skeptical of him. I, I, I don't know. I think we just kind of want to keep making that happen. And I think extenuating circumstances um, really need to kick in before we see that. Um, let's start the second round here, Colin. We mentioned a couple of these guys already here. Jojo Trader, Jose, uh, Joshisa Trader. I don't, I don't I've, never actually, I've never heard anybody actually say his full name. Everyone just calls him Jojo. Uh, yeah. Going to Miami, Florida. He went 201, though. He was Jeremiah Smith's high school teammate. Uh, 202 is Draylon Miller. I think that's an interesting one. He's a wide receiver headed to Colorado. Uh, David Eziamume, running back, headed to Clemson at 203. We're pretty high on him. Nathaniel Frazier, the top RB, depending on which uh, service you're looking at. Uh, he's headed to Georgia. He went 204. Perry Thompson, uh, another Auburn wide receiver commit, went 205. And then Ryan Wingo, Texas, uh, borderline five-star. I think he fell a little bit this past year. Um, wide receiver went 206. Um, floor is yours, Colin. Anything stand out here to you? Uh, we already talked about JoJo Trader. Like I said, I, I think he's... Um borderline tier one wide receiver for me. Um, but he's just, just slightly worse than those top three. So I can't quite put him in that same grouping, but he's a good bit better than the next group for me. But so I, we won't, won't really talk too much about him, but I think David as going at the two Oh three is a guy that we've talked a lot about, and we are significantly higher on him than the re- traditional recruiting services. And I'm just excited for him to be the next guy that we were right on where the services were maybe a little bit too low on, um, you know, I, a guy that I was, and Matt was also very high on him. Quint, um, Quinshawn Judkins where Matt and I were both very high on him. Um, Trevor Etienne, the guy that I was higher on than, than traditional services. Um, so there, there's like, you know, kind of one guy that we can pick out that it's like, doesn't really make sense why this guy's so low. And as is that guy this year, and I think there's just also a a natural path to early playing time for him. I mean, Phil Moff is going to be the guy there at Clemson, but Clemson has been so bad at recruiting the running back position outside of the year that they took Shipley and Moffa that they're that that cupboard is bare. Absolutely. And when bare. you and when you say like they've they've recruited the position poorly, like they haven't really even been able to get guys on campus. Like this isn't yeah. like a, they're just getting busts. Like they've left it till very late in the cycle and not had a guy and had to kind of fight over the last remaining top 50 guys on the board. And, you know, that's always a tough proposition to, to nail that every single year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's like nothing there. Um, So I think as the is very quickly going to be the RB two in this backfield. 
um, and has a pretty clear path then to RB1 after Phil Moffa leaves next year. So I think Ezia Mume is a great pick there at the 203. Um, I would have taken him a little bit earlier, and I know you said it's hard to justify taking a running back in round one there, uh, but I would prefer Ezia Mume over Mylon Graham, Mike Matthews um, that we talked about there, probably Draylon Miller as well. So I like that that pick. Yeah, I think there's, you know, this is where some of the running backs, you'll start seeing them come off the board. And I think no one really has uh, the running back rankings for people are going to be all over the place. So it wouldn't be uncommon to see, um, you know, Frazier go early second in some leagues and late third in some others. You'll see, um, you know, some other guys we can just we can I'll I'll name the next six guys that go here. Mm -hmm. You know, Cameron Davis goes 207. He's a Florida State running back commit. Jarek Gibson is a Texas running back commit, goes 208. Taylor Tatum, who I mentioned earlier, Oklahoma running back commit, goes 209. Luke Cromenhoek, uh, quarterback commit to Florida State, goes 210. Jordan Marshall, Michigan running back commit, 211. And then Bryant Wesco, wide receiver, going to Clemson, goes 212. So you can start seeing this is the range where I think you'll see some of these running backs go. And I think it'll really mix and match depending on your league. And you'll see um, some guy on pretty early. Um, I think I think some drafts you'll see Cameron Davis go first at running back. Yeah, I, I can think see that. a couple you might see Jared Gibson go first. I think some you might see Taylor Tatum, who was actually, I believe, RB1 for three of the four services um when they put in their final numbers. Like I think I think you'll see some of those guys kind of rotate between the 101 and then others. Yeah, like you might see him late second, early third. Um, so you know, but I think this is kind of the range where if you're eyeing some of these guys up, um, certainly maybe grab a wide receiver or one of those top quarterbacks they drop off pretty quick uh early and then get a running back in the second and i think you'll be much happier with how it ends up looking for you at the end of the draft yeah i would agree with that and i, I mean i think you can even extend this the running backs that you were, were talking about into the middle of the third round here um with the next guys off the board and I, you know i don't want to get too far ahead of it so that way we're missing some of the earlier discussions on some guys too so we can circle back around if we need but um, the next guys, too, in the third round, Caden Durham going to LSU, Kawan Lacey going to Missouri, Johan Cardenas going to Vanderbilt, and James Peoples going to Ohio State. And I think all four of those guys you could see up into the middle of the, the second round as well. You know, you could see them at the 207, the 208, and people wouldn't really bat too much of an eye. So that just goes to kind of underscore what you were talking about with the Quentin Martin pick, where it's a pretty flat group at the top there's not really like a clear-cut rb1 um there's not really like a clear-cut top guy so you're gonna get a lot of variation and your drafts could end up looking very different which i think is gonna make things fun for like i'm gonna have fun this offseason because i think that i'm gonna get an opportunity to have a lot of variations uh, at, at running back uh, across my leagues. Whereas in other years, there's a little bit more of consensus, you know, so I could kind of bank on, okay, I'm, I think I'm going to be able to get this guy here. I think I'm going to be able to get this guy here uh, this year. I, I don't think we're going to be able to necessarily do that, especially at the running back position. Um, I, I don't have a lot of other commentary on some of these other guys in here. I do think it's really late for Perry Thompson. I'll probably be taking him significantly earlier than that, but I also am aware that I'm probably the highest out there on him. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I don't, you're higher than Mrs. Thompson is on him. 
I, I don't understand. I don't know that there is a Mrs. Thompson unless you're talking about his mom. Um, talking about his mom, yeah. I uh, I I don't understand what there there is not to like. Um, like a 97th percentile athlete who I think has some route running chops, just very, very odd to me. I think he's a much more polished player today than Cam Coleman is, for instance, who um, people seem to like more. That that one confuses me a little bit. Um, one guy that I will say in here that we just, the pro, we, we do not like this profile at all is Ryan Wingo, who's going to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'll be a guy that splits some opinions. Um, horribly, horribly inefficient over the past several years in high school. Um, and much like college players going to the NFL, if you're a super inefficient guy in college, you probably ain't going to fix that in the NFL. And then the same is rung true for the most part uh, going high school to to college. He's been very inefficient as a, a pass catcher, and they used him quite a bit on the ground, and he was also extremely inefficient as a rusher. Just really, really, really just – inefficient and raw and isn't really a true receiver and i i don't i don't think that's a profile that i really care for i would have been slightly interested in him taking over for luther burden at missouri which is was kind of the other school that it kind of that it came down to when he was making his decision just because i think you know you can use him in that role and you don't necessarily have to be an amazing route runner to succeed in it Um, but i'm not sure texas is going to be willing to use him that way i think they've got enough you know, if you want a running back, they've got running backs that are good enough to put a running back on the field. If they want a wide receiver, they've got wide receivers that are better at being a wide receiver to get on the field. So I think he's going to have a hard time seeing the field there at Texas, quite frankly. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to have a really difficult time breaking the year one zero mold this year, given the plethora of wide receivers that they brought in in the transfer portal. Um, and there's you know plenty of other wide receivers that they have just already there still. Cook is you know, still there. Um, the DeAndre Moore Jr. would probably be in line to play before Wingo, although they, they play different roles. But there's enough other t- wide receiver talent on that roster that I, I don't know that I see Ryan Wingo uh, breaking that year one zero mold. So I, I would be a little hesitant to take him this early as well, given that that difficult path. Uh, that he has as as somebody who is a subscriber to the year one zero theory. If if you're not, um, then you know the, the, you don't have to necessarily worry about it as much. But um, if you are, I would be a little worried about Wingo. It's also a little early, in my opinion, for Draylon Miller. But I don't think he's a bad player. And again, you know, late second through the third round probably feels like his range this year. So we'll. Um, it's just Colorado. They have one position that's super deep and it's wide receiver. And yet that's like all they're hitting the portal and recruiting trail and, and, and getting is wide receiver. So I, I don't really know uh, what their plan is there for him, but um, I think he might struggle to play this year. Um, let's get into, I, I mentioned, you know, the, the back half here, Colin, you know, Cameron Davis, Jared Gibson, Taylor Tatum, Luke Cromenhoek, Jordan Marshall, Bryant Wesco. I think those are all, I'm not a huge Gibson guy. I'm not a hater either. And it sounds like he's been okay at Texas or been impressing them in, in some, um, you know, workout type stuff. So uh, this feels like the range for probably all these guys, you know, maybe the, the couple picks before this to the couple picks after this, you'll see all these guys go in there. And I think um, fair value uh, on all of them. Chrome and Hoke, I probably, I probably wouldn't take there just because I'm a little lower on him. Um, but some of the group here like him quite a bit. And he's very um, only been playing quarterback for a, two or three years uh, he's really new to the position so kind of raw but could be a, a fun upside guy there 
Yeah, and I think another thing with him too, you know, we, we've talked about succession plans and how difficult that is to project. Um, but Florida State doesn't have a lot there on the roster. Uh, so if he is, is, is as good as some people on the uh, recruiting team and, and behind the scenes here seem to think that he is, then it stands to reason that he could potentially see some earlier playing time than some other quarterbacks on this list. Um, yeah, I don't have any other commentary really on, on this grouping of players. You know, I think, I think they're all, um, roughly equivalent in terms of value. I think I have all those running backs within a very close ranking of each other. Wesco is a guy that I think carries a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, if he's, if he, he's, he's, a he's very much at this stage, kind of a, a finesse guy at wide receiver. And so I think generally you think of those guys as being either kind of slot options or, you know, maybe kind of, um, you know, playing the Y position. I don't, he's not going to play the slot there. They have Tyler Brown and they have Antonio Mm -hmm. Williams. And one of those two is going to be there. And then you've got to figure the other is probably the Y. So does he get on the field in front of either of those guys? I think somebody probably has to get injured for that to happen. So, um, you know, tough to project that for sure. Yeah. I, I I would kind of agree with that with with Wesco, um, and then I think you could even kind of you know moving into the the top half of the third round here too. Um, Jeremiah McClellan might fall in that boat now as well with with um, Evan Stewart there as well. So I think there's a couple of wide receivers in this range that are running risks of not getting on the field here, kind of like we talked about with Ryan Wingo. Um, and even a little bit earlier too, with with Mylon Graham, Mike Matthews, uh, and then Draylon Miller. So this, I think, this cluster of wide receivers that went off in this like uh, very end of the first round to the very beginning of the of the third round are all guys that are at programs that that have a fairly deep wide receiver room. So with the exception of, of Perry Thompson, although they're deep in that they brought in a lot of freshmen, but I think a lot of these guys are carrying some risk in this range. So uh, you kind of have to be aware of that. Not that they're not bad, not that they're bad players. I I like these guys. I think they are talented and I could see, you know, futures for these guys at the NFL level, but that year one zero risk is, is very real with a lot of these guys. Next grouping here, the the beginning of the third round, Colin, we have Jeremiah McClellan, who's wide receiver flipped on signing day from Ohio state to Oregon. Caden Durham, running back headed to LSU. And we didn't talk about this news item pre-show, but potentially Trey Hawley maybe was involved in potentially trying to kill somebody. Potentially, maybe he says he wasn't. (laughs) Um, So that LSU backfield could have, you know, just some nice openings in it uh, there. Caden Durham went 302. Kawan Lacey, Missouri commit running back, went 303. Johan Cardenas went 304. Vanderbilt running back, you mentioned him earlier. Jaden Davis, I think it's an interesting one. QB headed to Michigan at 305. And James Peoples, Ohio State running back commit at 306. Besides the murder, not murder, not involvement, <laughs> involvement, what, what do we think about this? Uh, yeah, we, are, we already talked a little bit about the running backs as we were talking about uh, the guys who went in the second round where I think I like James Peoples. Um, obviously he's going to have a very difficult time getting on the field this year, given the running backs that are ahead of him on that depth chart with Travion and Quinshawn, even Dallin Hayden. Um, but 
that'll presumably clear out at least a little bit. And we don't really care as much about running back production. Um, so I like Peoples. I think he Peoples could be a change of pace back at the NFL level um, with an upside for maybe a little bit more. Um, so I, I, I like Peoples, Kawan Lacey, and Cardenas. I also like those two guys as well. I'm a little bit lower on Durham, but I, I don't think he's a bad player by any means. Um, but I, I think Jaden Davis is the interesting one there, like you mentioned. That's probably a little bit higher than I would have him go personally, but I mean, there's not really a whole lot there in Michigan right now either. Like Alex Orgy is like, I don't know, 90% of what Jalen Milrow is, maybe 85%. So, you know, it depends on your thought process on that type of a player, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to to think that Jaden Davis could see some time relatively early at Michigan and they seem to be struggling to recruit the quarterback position a little bit um, in that, that, you know, couldn't get a guy like Bryce Underwood who was in their backyard. So I, I don't hate the Jaden Davis pick, although I'm just, I'm not a big fan of him personally as a player. I don't know. I, we don't need to get into a Bryce Underwood discussion. I, this is going to sound so silly because Michigan just won a national championship. But if you're a high end quarterback prospect, I can't think of a single thing at Michigan right now that would be interesting to me. Quite frankly, the fact that we're having a discussion about JJ McCarthy, maybe being a top pick in spite of how they used him in Michigan is like the biggest indictment of that. It's like, okay. Yeah. Okay guys. Um, so I don't, if I'm a top quarterback, I don't even, I don't even pick up the phone if they call me quite frankly, uh, LSU or Alabama or, Ohio State or USC or wherever else. Georgia, Oregon. way more interesting to me. Oregon, way, way more interesting. Penn to State. That's no, not pushing. <laughs> I just wanted to see how far I could go with that. Especially after those comments came out this week that we were talking about in our Slack about how much they actually want to change that offense this year. Could be could be another I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that that's coach speak right now, but we'll see. Uh, of the players in this range, I'm just going to, I mean, I, I don't have like hard analysis for any of these guys, but I, I, I really like Durham. I really like Lacey. Those two running backs that went uh, 302, 303, I think both. Um, I think we'd be pushing it to see a lot of them year one, but I think mm -hmm. um, Durham especially can kind of split a backfield. I, I, he probably gets somewhere between 195 and 200 pounds. It's kind of one of those backs. He's, you know, in the, the, I feel like this is underselling him a little bit because I think he's a better athlete than these guys, but like the James Cook, Bucky Irving, like spectrum. But I, I think, but he's not, he's not, um, odd chain or each hand or whatever he mm -hmm. changed his name to. Um, so like he's, he's kind of on that spectrum though. Um, yeah, Lacey, I think is a, a year two guy. Um, Peoples, I think uh, he's interesting, you know, if, if, if and when Travion Henderson leaves and, and Quinn John Judkins, we assume they both leave after this year. Stalin Hayden and really nothing else on that roster at running back. So it could be the, the people's and Hayden show. Um, and with, with Chip Kelly there, it's very possible they have multiple backs involved in any given year. So I think he's an interesting kind of guy. You're really not expecting anything year one. Um, 307 through 312 here, Colin. We have DeMond Williams, quarterback who uh, followed Jed Fish to Washington. He's now there. Um, is he, does he, how much does he play this year with you know behind Will Rogers? That'd be interesting to see. Aaron Butler, uh, next up, uh, wide receiver, uh, headed to Texas at 308. Uh, Terry Bussey, 
Um, and I'm interested if this pick happened before or after he signed with Texas A&M and they said that he's probably going to play more defensive back. I would expect him not to go there anymore, which is a bummer. Uh, Matthew Fuller, South Carolina running back. I think he's a very interesting player. Caleb Oden, the first tight end at 311. Cam Williams, Notre Dame wide receiver commit at 312. Colin, I mean, any thoughts here besides Bussy? I don't think we have to talk about Bussy. We've talked about him a couple times in the past few weeks. It's a a bummer that he's probably going to be on the other side of the ball. Yeah, um, I think that's that's fair on Bussy. We don't need to dive too deep into that. I think Damon Williams is an interesting name in this range. A uh, very electric athlete as a quarterback. Um, probably not much of an NFL future, at least that I don't see one at this point in time, but he could be really fun uh, at Washington in Jed Fish's system. Uh, you know, with is he going to get on the field at all this year? I don't necessarily know, but I don't really know that that matters that much to me because I, I'm like 95% positive Will Rogers is done after this year in terms of eligibility. So, you know, we talk again, succession plan and stuff, but um, there isn't anybody else on that roster right now. So you always have to be wary of the transfer portal, but you know, Jed fish wasn't able to bring his guy, Noah Fafita with him. Uh, maybe Demon Williams ends up being his guy. So we'll see how that goes. I think the three Oh seven, um, I feel okay taking him there. Uh, in that range, especially given how fun he could be for fantasy. Um, yeah, I think uh, just some other quick toss out thoughts here. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's going to be a singular tight end that's the top guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, Odom going here. Um, I don't really have an opinion on it one way or the other. He's he's not my top tight end, but I'm, I'm also probably not spending a third round pick on any of the tight ends this year. Um, I don't know. I think Matthew Fuller is a pretty good player, but tough to predict exactly what. South Carolina is going to do in any given year in terms of portal um, or what they're going to recruit. But I, th- I think he's a pretty good player. Um, a couple of players, again, not taking shots at anybody, not trying to have anybody have the worst day of their lives. <laughs> um, I would absolutely never consider Cam Williams in the top probably 10 rounds of a draft. I don't think he's very good at football, but that's just my opinion. Um, a big, and big fade for me this year. Probably not going to get a ton of production CFF wise from him at Notre Dame either. So even if you were kind of maybe potentially looking in that realm, I think that might be a little harder to find as well. Exactly. I just think that's a bit of a a reach there, but again, you're starting to get into a range here now where like all these guys have some sort of issue. They're sitting for a while or yeah. The point in a regular draft where I probably would start drafting CFF. Yes. Agreed. And that's kind of why, I think we both kind of follow that mindset where a third round you're you're really looking towards some of the top CFF guys on the board because I mean even a guy like Aaron Butler uh, who's going to Texas now uh, was originally committed to to Colorado or was leaning that way and flipped. Um, we, we talked about with with Ryan Wingo. I mean I think that applies for Aaron Butler too. It's it's very difficult to see him getting on the field given the uh, plethora of other wide receivers that are in that room. As much as I like Aaron Butler. I think he's a, a definite year one zero candidate, which puts a, a pretty big damper on uh, on his future there. So even with, you know, potentially some of the guys clearing out of the room, maybe next year, um, I, I still I would still struggle to take Aaron Butler. I, again, like the player, but uh, I might just take some other guys ahead of him. 
try and dip, buy later. We'll dip, into, we'll dip into the fourth round here, Colin, and I'll just name all these guys real quick. Tyler Cherry, a quarterback headed Indiana. Interesting with Signetti uh, going there now. Uh, he's going to be his guy. Carter Nelson, tight end, uh, headed to Nebraska. Uh, I believe has a big background in 77 football. He's from a very small town. I don't know if he's played a lot of 11 v 11. Um, so he's an interesting guy. Nye Carr headed to Miami at 403. Uh, Barry Johnson, kind of a, a, a favorite of ours here, headed to Wisconsin, could play that slot role there in the Dairy Raid. Uh, Jaden Riddell, uh, tight end, headed to Georgia. Uh, my personal top tight end in the class, for whatever that's worth, not that I feel great about projecting any of those guys. Harry Stewart headed to Kansas, running back at 406. Aaron Noland, who, I mean, the shine there to get him at 407, he probably would have gone at least two rounds earlier uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, Jeremy Payne, running back, headed to TCU. I think that's an interesting one. I'm not a guy necessarily super high on my radar. Uh, Haas Haney, quarterback, headed to TCU at 409. Courtney Crutchfield, Missouri-bound wide receiver at 410. Uh, Jere Hawkins, that's a fun one. Um, is he headed to Florida? Is that where he's going? That's what we have him on the sheet. I don't know that that's correct. He's a little guy. Um, some, of the, some, some of the play, players on the sheet there are uh, off. Um, they yeah. were at previous schools. Like Aaron Butler was listed as Colorado, uh-huh. um, even though he flipped. But it does look like he is going to Florida. Okay. Um, well, I, at least, I couldn't remember. Yeah, he was enrolled. He's actually enrolled, okay. uh, according to 24-7. And then Kevin Riley, running back at Alabama. You did your freshman profile on him last week, and we kind of talked about how he was kind of a last-ditch, we-just-need-a-body kind mm-hmm. of recruit for Alabama this year. So uh, that's your fourth round. But again, I mean, and you're seeing even more issues there with some of these guys. So this is really where – this is the tier of player I just don't really ever draft personally. Not in a supplemental draft, at least not in this range. Yeah. Yeah, again, in, in this range, in a real supplemental draft, I'd be probably pivoting towards some some CFF guys who are still. But um, Kyle Barry Johnson, I think, is, is a really interesting name there. Um, if, you know, if we remove all supplemental guys and we have to take freshmen here, uh, I kind of like Kyle Barry Johnson. Uh, Will Pauling was my guy. I was hyping him up all offseason. Uh, struggled real out of the gate, but he did put it together a little bit towards the end of the year. I think that offense started to kind of figure it out a little bit. And I do expect that offense to be better uh, this year with better quarterback play, hopefully from Tyler Van Dyke. So, you know, Kyle Barry Johnson, I think is a guy who is dynamic enough of a player. Uh, he could get on the field. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to say anybody's like a home run to not be a year one zero, except for like Makai Hudson, um, Micah Hudson, barring injuries or whatever. But I think Kyle Barry Johnson has a decent shot to break that. So I kind of like him in this range. Yeah, I don't really feel that good about projecting early playing time at wide receiver at Wisconsin for anybody. Um, it's difficult, but I, I, there's, it's, not a, it's not a packed room. Um, so I could see him having some sort of a role. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than that, I don't know. I, I actually, Haas Haney is probably my favorite guy in this round. Um, I think... He, there's a little Johnny football there, not in the bad <laughs> way, but like in terms of just a small guy that's going to run around and do a bunch of crazy stuff in college. I think he's really, really interesting. So, um, I, I like him, uh, quite a bit that that's really, I mean, I don't, I don't have any strong thoughts about any of these guys. We've debated Tyler cherry pretty heavily behind the scenes. Um, where in our group, 
Um, some of us like him, you know, as like a top eight to 10 kind of guy in the class. And some of us maybe closer to like, you know, 15 to 18 range. I, I don't know that that's, you know, he's a solid player. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's, it's worth fighting over a guy like him too much. You know, he, no, he's fine. He's fine. Um, I, the, the last round here, Colin, we'll toss out these names as well. Uh, Zion Kearney, wide receiver headed to Oklahoma at 501. Uh, Dylan Jones, running back, uh, who we don't have a uh, team for him on the sheet. Dylan Jones. Pretty sure he's going to Wisconsin. Yeah, he is. They have a couple backs coming in this year. Yeah. yeah. Cornell Hatcher, running back, going to Oregon State at 503. Jonathan Paler, wide receiver, slash running back, headed to. NC State at 504. Ryan Pelham, Oregon, wide receiver commit to 505. Ethan Grunkmeyer, Penn State quarterback commit, 506. Isaac Wilson, uh, Zach Wilson's younger brother, headed to Utah, 507. Uh, Gatlin Bear, we talked about him quite a bit recently. Not going to play for at least two years. Uh, wide receiver commit. He's on a mission, um, like a Mormon mission, not like <laughs> rocket power. On um, at 508, Keedron Young. Running back headed to Notre Dame at 509. Ryan Puglisi, Georgia, quarterback commit 510. CJ Carr, Notre Dame, quarterback commit 511. And Jordan Lyle, uh, Miami, Florida, running back, uh, undersized kind of guy commit uh, at 512. Um, I, I think I, I actually really like Paler, Hatcher, Kearney to a certain extent. Um, and Bear, I think 508 is a really interesting spot for him. You know, if you can stomach literally just wasting a bench spot for two years. And you know that that's a pretty solid range for him with the upside athletically that he possesses. Yeah, it's it's tough to rationalize wasting a bench spot for two years um, on a player, but I mean he does have a lot of athletic upside. I think he's he's a solid receiver, but you know are you going to be able to hang on for that long? But like you talked about with the wide uh, the running backs there, I think um, I like some of the guys in this range here. Keedron Young, I'm not the biggest fan of Kedron Young, but I like the landing spot in Notre Dame. Um, you know, he's kind of like a, a he's he's more of a traditional Notre Dame running back. So I, I, I kind of like that. Um, Jordan Lyle at Miami, we talked about, they don't really have a guy there. I could see him getting some sort of a role uh, on that team. And then uh, Cornell Hatcher is a guy that's pretty far down the list. He's a three star uh, Oregon State, as far as I know, was his only Power Five offer. He was getting like a lot of like Ivy League looks, but I actually like Cornell Hatcher. I think he could be really fun. Um, so I, I don't think you would have to take him in this range uh, because he's pretty far under the radar. But I, I like Cornell Hatcher. I do too. Um, and it's actually interesting. Both of our freshman profiles uh, are in this round, Colin. So let's mm -hmm. just hop right into those. Uh, what a transition. I know, right? I'm a pro. It's 179th episode of this show, Colin. I picked up a few tips and tricks along the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my uh, freshman profile is uh, CJ Carr. So in this draft, he went at the 5'11 there. Um, quarterback going to Notre Dame. And interestingly enough, he is the grandson of uh, longtime Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr. Uh both of his parents went to Michigan. Um, his dad played on the football team there, but never really considered Michigan. I mean, he like went on a visit or whatever, but he committed to Notre Dame before his junior season even started, never really wavered there. So 
um, kind of interesting to see a, a guy with that much history at a school not go to Michigan. Um, but Carr has uh, definitely, you know, had some had QB coaching. You can tell he's got a smooth throwing motion, uh, consistent release. His footwork in the pocket is clean as well uh, until the play breaks down. And then he has this weird thing that he does where he always like tries to spin left uh, and he turns his back on the play and he like tries to escape the pocket. And, you know, sure that that could work at the level of high school football that he was playing at in, in Michigan, but that is not something that is going to, he's going to be able to get away with at a major um, college level uh, like at Notre Dame. So He's definitely got to iron that out of his game. Um, he's he's got good enough pocket mobility. He's got on three clocks him at a four nine forty speed. So he's like slow in like the long speed, but he maneuvers in the pocket well. Like I said, when he doesn't try and spin and and go out to his left, like he he he's okay. Uh, on the move though, pretty inconsistent with resetting his feet. He's not the type of guy who performs well outside of structure um inside of structure i think he's a lot better he typically makes pretty smart decisions accuracy is typically pretty good um he can make most of the throws you would ask him to make you see him you know layering some passes over the linebackers in the middle of the field you see you know a couple of out routes here he's not throwing him on a rope or anything but he can get it there he's got good touch on deep balls uh although this offense so if you watch Carr's highlight tape you do see a lot of deep passes but if you throw on like any actual like game tape of him, like the offense was just quick hitting, short passes. Um, he's had like an eight point two yards per attempt, so it's it's a little bit shorter um, uh, of of an offense or of a yeah of an offense there. So I I think CJ Carr is going to be overmatched at Notre Dame. I don't see him really being a quarterback that um, Notre Dame is going to want to start, especially given that Mike Denbrock is a new offensive coordinator there. Denbrock didn't really recruit Carr. Um, and Denbrock, at least in the past, has shown a, more of an affinity for athletic quarterbacks like a Desmond Ritter, um, like Jaden Daniels. So I have a hard time projecting Carr as a future quarterback at, at Notre Dame. I think he's going to have to transfer probably to like a lower uh, P4 school to, to really see playing time. I'm not a huge fan uh, of Carr overall. Yeah, a lot of valid points there, Colin, in terms of fitting in with, with what they want in Notre Dame. Um, but we'll see. We've been wrong before. True. Um, I chose Zion Kearney for my guy tonight. Kearney, Kearney. I don't know exactly how he pronounces it, uh, but he's a wide receiver prospect headed to Oklahoma. We have him down at 6'2", 2'10". Uh, we have an athleticism score, uh, 66th percentile in our database, pretty good, uh, and, and almost a 90th percentile uh, speed score. So um, kind of a, a long speed guy. He's kind of in the mold of George Pickens for me, like in terms of the okay. kind of guy he is, where this dude is just a straight up bully. Um, I actually just finished writing up his profile for the guy that's coming out, and I went back and rewatched him. And it, there's a couple of these guys in this class. Mizeo Bennett, who's going to South Carolina, is kind of like this year too, where they just kind of want to get their hands on somebody and just mess them up a little bit. It's kind of what they want to do. He loves blocking. He'll block anybody. He doesn't care. He's a big dude anyway. Um, but really where he thrives right now is just getting 
downfield, letting him kind of go up 50, 50 is, is really closer to 70, 30 with him. Um, not a super like agile guy. I do think that he can work on that a little bit. Um, cause he does have some flexibility. It looks like hip, hip and ankle wise. Um, I think what he eventually turns into is like I said, kind of George Pickens, maybe closer to Brian Thomas ish, right? You know, maybe he does a little stuff around the line of scrimmage. Um, but he, he really hasn't shown anything in the middle of the field yet. You know, can, can he, you know, get a free release or, or, or win at the line of scrimmage, win on a slant, pick up 30 yards that way. I, I don't know that he can do that yet, but I do think he has the athletic skills to do it. Really good ball skills, you know, deals well with physicality. A lot of the stuff that you notice with him just centers around how physical he is, how well he deals with physicality from others, how tough he is and how fast he is. Decent combination. I think Oklahoma is a tough projection this year. Um, they... I think their three best receivers are all, you know, kind of Dion Burks transfers in and then they bring back Julio Farouk and they bring back um, uh, Nick Anderson. Those are kind of their big three. So I'm not sure how much he really sees the field this year. And I think Oklahoma um, is probably not going to be very good from like a record perspective this year. You know, they're playing in the SEC for the first year. You got a first year starter quarterback. Uh, I don't think the offensive line is going to be that great. They lose that. Um, um, a couple of their best guys either the draft or the portal. Um, so, you know, interesting dilemma there in terms of how much does he really play? Um, but I do think if he can get on the field a little bit, um, I think he can be kind of a, a deeper threat, work him deep quite a bit, uh, year one. And then hopefully the footwork, the, you know, just understanding pacing and tempo and how to play against zone. He really doesn't even, do a ton of, um, I think, I think he could be an interesting option further down the road. So I think more of a stash guy for me, I do have him ranked relatively highly and I have him ranked a decent amount higher than everybody else here. Um, at campus to he's my wide receiver 12. Um, so we'll see okay. how he ends up developing this year, but I think he's a really intriguing player overall. Yeah. I, I like Kearney. I'm not quite that high on him. Um, and I think you highlighted a lot of, uh, the, the concerns that I would have with him, like playing time, um, the, you know, right now, I think he needs, you know, a little bit more refinement, but I, I do like the bully my ball type guys. Um, uh, and he definitely fits that mold that like you said more 70, 30, uh, with him on the jump balls. Plus he has the athleticism that pairs when you pair those two types of traits together, you can, you can see an NFL role in some capacity. I will say one of the things that I really look for when I'm watching, like one of my favorite routes that, that I get, that if I can get a high school player running it and I can get them running it multiple times so I can see how they look is kind of just like a deep post. Cause I really like watching how these guys attack that DB's leverage, especially if they're kind of got outside leverage and they want to work inside how they work them in the route stem before they make that break. And I do think of all the guys in this class, he is one of the better ones at kind of selling the go or an out and then breaking it inside real quick. He that those little things are what kind of makes me think that he can develop into some of those other route running things, uh, even if we haven't necessarily seen them yet. Whereas guys like Mike Matthews haven't shown that at all. And that's kind of why I, I, I like Kearney just as much, if not more than Matthews, because I think some of those tools are, are there for them. So um, just a note that I had in here actually is that like that, that's one of my favorite routes to watch. 
I think he runs it pretty well right now. So I think that's, you know, an, an interesting thing to look out for. I think that's a good point because you see a lot of, uh, especially if you just watch the highlight tape, but you, you see a lot of guys working deep, um, taking the top off of defenses. So like, how do they kind of actually attack that leverage and the deep post you said is a better one to do that rather than just like a straight go. So uh, I think that's a good point. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight's show guys. Um, we'll be back next week for another episode of campus life. Make sure you're headed over to campus Check out everything over there. Um, we're really, you know, the guide, the guide rolls out here in March and then we're just cooking from there, you know, guides, the rankings are all updated. Um, we're, we're, we're working on a lot of new stuff again for this year, you know, and probably until the day we die, uh, we'll be working on new stuff for every year. Um, so go ahead, check it out over there. You can get in the door, uh, membership perspective as low as two ninety nine a month, twenty nine ninety nine a year. Um, until next time guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.